Hello and welcome back to The Body Talks Back. I'm Sarah Romeo White and on today's show I talked to my good friend Pooja Tichkovsky. I really hope I said his last name right. Um, I just made him send me a voice memo of how to say his last name because I really didn't want to mess it up and now I'm calling myself on, on that. Uh, so yeah. Um, Pooja is one of my favorite humans on the planet. Uh, we worked together um, at a yoga, at Yoga Works. Uh, I don't know why I like. Part of me feels like I shouldn't say that because I don't always speak so highly of them, but that's fine. Um, but yes, Pooja and I worked together um, at Yoga Works in Los Angeles, um, and I love him so much. Uh, he's a yoga teacher, a tattoo artist, a musician. He just released um, a Kirtan album called Heartful of Light. Um, as Prince Puja, uh, so definitely check that out. It's on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, uh, so go check that out. Um, if you live in L.A., uh, look him up and take his classes. Uh, he is a he is a heart full of light. I, I can't say enough about Puja. I love him so much. And I loved this conversation. It actually might be one of my favorites. Um, we got real deep uh, about yoga and spirituality and kind of like the state of the yoga business um, right now and just like issues and things that we have with that world uh, a little bit. So, yeah, we go, we go real deep and... Um, we go so deep that we completely lost track of time and Pooja almost missed uh, one of his classes that he had to teach because of it. So it does end a little abruptly, um, but that's fine. And I feel really bad that <laughs> that happened, but he did. Uh, he made it to class. So so now, you know, he, he made it to his class uh, and and taught. Um yeah, so I feel really lucky to have had this conversation and just to know Pooja. And um, I really hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And I will put all the link to his album and all of his other information uh, in the description per usual. Enjoy. Bye. Hi, Pooja. Hey. I'm so excited that you're here. So excited. <laughs> I have to tell you, because Talani and I are always like, Pooja, Pooja. And I was uh. like, I feel like that like infantilizes you, which I feel terrible about. But at the same time, it's so no, hard for me to I be don't like, mind. I'm like, my Pooja, Pooja. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for doing this. And hopefully this is picking this up, because I realize we're like a little far from the mic. But I'm going to move it cool. forward. Oh, to Gore. Am I saying it right? Is it Tagore? Yeah, yeah Tagore totally. here. Um, yeah, so I guess just we'll just. <laughs> I'm so like in a different headspace now. It's really hard for me to like get back into like interview mode. It's not even interview. We're just gonna have a, a convo. <laughs> we'll get there. Oh my gosh, I love it. Um. So let me think. Let me get into the Zoom more questions I can ask you. Um, one, I'm really excited to talk to you because um, for you specifically, I just find it really interesting and want to talk to people mostly who have multiple levels or do multiple, do multiple things that involve the body. And I feel like 
since I've met you that even even jewelry making like that's it's still you know adorning like it's still part of that and I feel like especially in the way that you did it it was with being that intention there was a lot of intention in your in your art yeah and then now (laughs) you're a yoga teacher kirtan which is very for me it's a very visceral experience it's very much like gets me in my body um and then tattooing which is another so you just you do stick and stick and poke Mm -hmm. is that correct yes stick and poke or hand poke nice yeah so how did you get there like how how did you get on this kind of journey of working with all all things all Um, things body totally um I think it started I mean even when I was young you know I used to dance and do like musical theater and gymnastics so I was always really in my body in that way oh my gosh yeah yes totally (laughs) yeah I was such a theater kid like from really young um all here or in Canada Canada. okay yeah it all started in Canada back back in Vancouver like I mean um like dance and gymnastics and theater stuff like I really started when I was like five six years old so Mm -hmm. it started very young and then when I moved here I kind of got out of some of that stuff um which is surprising well you know it's surprising but it's also not I feel like it's it's a different world here because it's LA so it's like less of like this is fun and more of like this is serious yeah like you're like becoming a star or something (laughs) yeah totally I think that was kind of why I like got away from some of that stuff but then pretty quickly I started getting back into like like dance and I did color guard in high school with the band so again flags yeah um and then wait so you went to high school in LA California. okay in California yeah. in okay. Southern Valley. California so like Moore Park like an hour outside okay. of LA okay yeah um and then um yeah like was dancing in high school and then and then I went to college for fashion mm-hmm. so even then working with the yeah. body like 100%. clothing the body like yeah. learning you know just kind of learning learning about it through that aspect and then after college is when I started getting into jewelry and then I was adorning the body in that way mm-hmm. and and then that was also right around when I first started getting tattoos so adorning my own body with those like more permanent kind of marks and then um yeah, I guess it was a few years after that that I really started getting into yoga. And I, I got into yoga through more of the philosophy stuff first. Me too. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. um, then once I started getting into the physical part of it, it like reminded me so much of like dancing. And, and even when I was young, like actually when I started the asana practice, I realized like I used to do asanas when I was a kid. Like, you know, like a lot of kids do. It's just like really natural. Like you like do a bridge or like you know just things like that did you know you were doing no, it yeah that was yeah that was kind of like the connection that I made when I when I started taking class yoga classes um I was like okay this like feels familiar in my right. body and especially having the dance background it was like okay I like get this I get like kind of where I'm at what kind of space I'm in and then I just started getting more and more into it and connecting like the body with the more kind of philosophical side of it and being able to, yeah, just like bridge those two. Cause 
I think for me, it was like I had both aspects throughout my life. Like I was always just really curious about like God and the world Mm -hmm. and the universe and people and kind of, yeah, just all that stuff. And then being able to um, get into the body and work with the body through the physical practice of asana and then connect it with the philosophy. It was like there were just so many connections that I made and it was like, it was really... I don't know, just like a really it's tan it's more tangible. Totally. It's like you can yeah, you're feel you're actually feeling it. Where yeah. it it can be really ethereal like ethereal and which can be really confusing. I think and in some ways it's you know, it's more powerful in that sense, but to have it an a, a an access point to it, like to find that access point totally. to it is like kind of mind blowing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's really like like dancing is like obviously a really great way to be in the body mm-hmm. and it's expressing yourself through movement and whatnot but it wasn't the same like once I started with the asana practice it was actually like okay now I'm actually like exploring the body in a way that's not just like because with dance it's very like like this is how a movement is supposed to look right. and you like do whatever you can to make it look like that, you know, and you like want to be really flexible and you want to be like strong in these certain ways. And and with Asana, it was kind of more like, it's not necessarily so much about like how it looks. Like obviously you have kind of a framework of mm-hmm. like something you're working towards, but it's not like you have to look like this. It's right. just kind of like, okay, like how does it feel to be in this pose or how does it feel to be in your body in this way? And um, so that was like a whole new level that came into it. Um, Where did you start doing yoga? Yoga work. Oh, okay. So yeah. when we met? Yes. Uh, oh, actually, part before a little that. before we met. Were you yeah. at Larchmont? You were yes. going to Larchmont. That's yeah. what, okay. Now I'm remembering. Totally. Yes. So in full disclosure, <laughs> I got you hired. You did. Yeah, we worked. Pooja and I worked together. Yes. At yoga work. You did. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I'll and never you came forget. in, and Talene was like. Talene, who was our boss, who's also like one of my closest friends and yes. was a good friend of ours. And uh, she was like, Sarah, you need to talk to whoever, like the, the interview per E, whatever person is. And I went and talked to you and I immediately went to Talene and I was like, you need to have oh. I'm like, this kid needs to come and work with us. Yeah. I just want to hang out with him all the time. Because really like working at Yoga Works was like hanging, hanging out. out. There was so much hanging out. Totally. <laughs> it was like... If you didn't vibe with someone, it could really make that six to eight hours brutal. (laughs) Especially that studio, because we were in such close quarters. So small, there's nowhere to go. It was, I mean, a lot of times it was like just you and I, or Mm -hmm. just you and Tallinn and I, and... Yeah. Yeah. And Um, even when there's like three people, it was like, it was, there was nowhere, there was nowhere, no move, you couldn't move anywhere. It was just, yeah. Just behind the desk. Yeah. But I, I as much as I had a lot of issues working there or just that, just cause I don't like doing sales and stuff like that. Totally. But, um, I met so many, I have so oh my all my most majority of my friends in Los Angeles and my, my, the community I, that I built when I lived here was through yoga works. It was totally. through the people and it was because of those close quarters. It was like, well, we had to get along mm-hmm. and like you learn so much about people yeah in that type of setting which is really great um 
because I love you guys. And yeah, I was like, I was yeah. like, oh, like, I was like, Pooja and Andrew and Talene yeah, yeah. and like, even ja- like Jacqueline. It was like, totally. just all, all Jacqueline. Mm. I know. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So when you started working at Yoga Works, how long was that after you had started your practice? Um, oh gosh, I don't even remember, to be honest. I want to say maybe like a year or so, because I had started, I was working with this energy healer who, for like a couple years, I think, and then he was the one who was like, you should take an asana class. Mm. And it like took me a minute, but then I ended up going and like was totally into it. And I started going like six days a week. And it was just like, it became like this really powerful thing for me. And then I think I had stopped going as regularly and Mm. then I like randomly was just like on the yoga works website and I was like oh maybe I'll just look at the career section (laughs) you know it was a very like like guided by the universe kind of situation and then once I came in and met you guys I was just like it just felt so right yeah um and then like obviously working there getting to practice more and that's when I started practicing with Marta for Mm -hmm. Iyengar which oh like oh my god Marta was, oh my god I forgot about I love her Marta so much. do you ever see her <laughs> no, anymore I oh my seen god her in years I think oh, about her constantly yeah though. um but yeah that was like really amazing because I had been doing more like vinyasa before right. that yeah. so like getting into the Iyengar stuff again it was like this whole new perspective mm-hmm. of like this alignment and again getting into the body in this Mm -hmm. really like specific way you know like I mean you know Angar and it's like just like really hearing even just hearing her speak about the body in Iyengar terms you know where like literally you're like being told where to put like your pinky nail you know and it's like yeah um that was like really interesting to me um to just hear it from that perspective and again get into my body in that way um yeah and then I just kind of kept getting more and more curious about it and yeah because you started your teacher training I think not long maybe a little bit before I had before I left yeah you were like in the midst of your teacher training I think yes, when I I think that's correct yeah how was that oh my gosh it was yeah. so amazing again it was like something I didn't even imagine you know coming up or doing but once once I kind of got that spark of the idea of doing teacher training I was just like yeah this is totally what I need to do and then the training that I did was yoga and Ayurveda Mm -hmm. so which is that's that's amazing so Yeah. yeah it was really really incredible and like my teacher Moss Vidal um he was just really, he comes at it with a more like classical, traditional kind of approach, mm-hmm. which I really appreciated. And then having the Ayurveda um, in there as well was just like really, again, it was like learning about the body in these ways where you're like learning how to kind of be in your body and take care of your body in I mean, to me, Ayurveda is very like common sense, you know, yeah. like most of it is very like obvious once you hear it but mm-hmm. we're so trained out of that right that you don't necessarily think about that until someone does kind of present for sure that perspective or those teachings to you would you mind kind of just like 
in I don't know how well like just briefly explaining just totally. because not, I don't think a lot of people don't really know what Ayurveda is. Um so it is the sister science to yoga, mm-hmm. which like traditionally many, many moons ago, they were always practiced together, but now they've kind of been divorced. But Ayurveda is basically it's the science of life and it's basically learning how to like work with like the natural cycles of your body and like um it's really about balance I guess like on the most basic level that's like the the biggest concept in Ayurveda is finding balance in whatever way that is so like even something as simple as like in the winter you want to eat warming foods and in the summer you want to eat cooling foods um yeah yeah, that's good. I, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you go into like the doshas. Totally. Like, yeah. yeah. That's the thing. It's like, it can be so simple, but it can also get so complex, which I love. Yeah, and... I think it's fascinating. I mean, for me, when I first started in teacher training, when we were studying Ayurveda, I was like, holy shit, this is like crazy and amazing. And I, I think I got, because I can tend to like get so in my head where I'm just like, well, I need the, I need the answer. So I was like, wait, am I like, what am I? I was like, am I, am I like, it was like, everything just seemed to, uh, match what I, what I was. (laughs) And I think a lot of people have that where they're like, wait, but I have this quality and then this quality and this quality. Um, yeah, I always wish that I had, I mean, there's still time to do like more, <laughs> more Ayurvedic training. Cause it is so fascinating. And I think it's like, it's such a, um, it's a great baseline to like start from as with, especially physical, I mean, mental and physical, but especially physical ailments of like really healing, um, health in, in that way. Cause it's just so holistic and so comprehensive. Totally. Um, which that's that's so amazing that you were able to do that because in teacher training like you learn it but it gets confusing because it gets lost in the mix of everything else that you're learning because you're learning so much in such a short period of time that like to be able to actually have that as one of your main focuses is so cool yeah it was it was really great i think it's such a like I'm really glad that it's kind of having a resurgence now and yeah. there are a lot more people getting interested in it and practicing it and learning about it. Cause I think it is just something that, um, like it really gets to the root of things. Like it's sure. not, yeah. it's not a band-aid kind of practice or like body of knowledge. It's really like how to fix things from like a root level. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is really important because especially in, I mean, I think anywhere, I was going to say the Western world, but I think really at this point, anywhere in the world, even the Eastern world, it's like, we're constantly looking for quick fixes and, um, yeah, 2018 is, yeah, there's really nowhere to yeah, unless you're in like like, Bali and like, totally, totally. (laughs) even I'm sure in areas there, yeah. You know, there's McDonald's and oh my God. all computers and the internet and social media and so everything gnarly. everywhere. Yeah. 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 So just like, I, I'm really, I'm happy that that's like becoming more kind of common knowledge to an extent. Obviously yeah. there's like, like I said, it's a very deep body of knowledge. Um, yeah. It's a deep body of knowledge. And also I, I wonder sometimes because we are in this bubble, like we, we are in, like, you know, True. in this like wellness and yoga and like holistic bubble where it's like, 
I sometimes think that people know things that they mm. that they don't know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, that you're actually very right. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess when I say it's it's becoming more widespread and more common, I guess that is more specifically in, in the, the wellness industry. Yeah. But hopefully that's a, a start for, you know, yeah. to, well, to I become mean, more widespread. Once it once it kind of enters that world because wellness just in general is has become more widespread and more mainstream and people are i mean you can get acupuncture under insurance like so as long as it enters that world it is going to become more known and more widespread so i'm sure it is like i'm sure more people are knowing it because more people are are reaching out for you know eastern medicine and holistic medicine and not just sticking in the standard like western way of doing things so i think you're right like naturally it is going to expand it's just how far the far the reach is probably a little less than (laughs) what we may assume it is from being in this bubble like yeah Yeah. Yeah, how much so how much of this because you are like your your grandfather like which side of your family is indian like my mom your mom's, my side. mom's side yeah. yeah how much of your like interest in even the philosophy was that from your family was that from like um i think it was kind of a combination yeah. because there was definitely i mean it it was just really like since I was a kid, it was just something in me where, like, I was just always really curious. Yeah. And and I always felt a very strong, um, like, devotion and, like, faith to God or a higher power. Yeah. Like, you know, at some t- at some periods in my life, I've called it God. And at some periods, I definitely didn't want to call it God, yeah. you know? Yeah, I only just recently started calling it God yeah. again. I'm like, fuck it, it's God. Totally. <laughs> it's God. I mean, I'm not going to feel weird about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's like... I. I think it's just forming our own ideas of what that is For because sure. it is such a Judeo-Christian. Totally. Yeah, it's it, and I think I so I guess like for me, like I grew up with you know my parents were hippies, but their parents were very Catholic, and mm. like my dad um, was in the seminary, like he wanted to be yeah. a Catholic priest at one point, but then like became you know very new agey and they wanted us to like my mom not so much but my dad because catholicism was like such a deep part of his life for so for a long time that he was like wanted us to at least go through up through like confirmation to Mm. like learn and then make our own decisions but at the same time like he was in you know men's groups and both my parents were doing their own separate like drum circles and like you know my living room or at least well my mom specifically was like her women's group her like coven yes. or like or whatever or like women's group was coming in doing the drum circles so yeah I, yeah I think when you grew up even though I did grow up with like the open-mindedness of my parents the I also grew up on Long Island which is like a very either Jewish or Catholic like mm. those were the two things and then I, my neighbor was a fundamentalist Christian who was like my babysitter, and that like was a whole other thing. And so you're just like your sense of the word God was almost like owned. Totally. It was owned by yeah. by Christianity. It was owned by Judaism, and that that was it. And it was like you knew though that was the two sides of things, and that's what I grew up with. So it was like I, that word held a different meaning. It totally. didn't. It wasn't 
God in the sense that I know now. Yeah. Um, it was just, it was more like a, oh, like a thing to not even fear, but like rebel against and be mm-hmm. like, that's gross. There's so much hatred and like terribleness associated with this word. And I don't want to associate myself with that. Totally. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's true. And I think a lot of people, I mean, I know a lot of people have that. Yeah, like So much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And th- so my, my dad's family was Christian, mm-hmm. like Lutheran, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, um, not like, not super devout, not, not super strict or anything. Yeah. yeah. But we did go to church. Um, and then my mom's family seek. Mm-hmm. So we also went to the Sikh temple growing up. So I kind of had both of those perspectives, but then my own curiosity as well, kind of in the middle, like exploring other things, um, just like other religions and belief systems. And like when I was 15, I got like really into Wicca and, you know, oh, as too. we all do. At 15. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was big into it. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, um, I was just always very curious about God, the world, people. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that that curiosity from... It's also really cool that you had the experience of having part of your family being Sikh and, and not having it, like, in America. You know, totally. the, we're in America. Not we are in America. Where oh, <laughs> in America... Yeah. It is like so heavily, or you know, not maybe not as much anymore. But when, especially when I was growing up, it was so heavily just these two things, and it was like right. you're either one or the other. Yeah. And there's like you're one form of Christianity or you're one form of Judaism, and like these are the these are the two things, and then anything else was like you know not weird, but it was like it was like just different. You d- totally. didn't have the knowledge of it that it's really cool that you were able to grow up with like the two things that you had were one was not the like standard American religion. And like, I think that in itself probably really lent you to being way more like curious and open-minded because it was like, you didn't have, you didn't grow up with those boundaries with that combine of like being like, this is how it has to be. You're like, yeah, which is really amazing. Like that's so cool to, to, to have that exposure from, from birth. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was also, um, really, I don't know if eye opening is the right word, but it was very, like, it kept me very open Mm -hmm. because I didn't think anything of my mom's family being Sikh, Mm -hmm. you know, like I wasn't like, Oh, they're like this weird religion that no one else is. And you know, it was just very like, natural and to have those influences and and Sikhism is so um like like tolerant and um like throughout my life I don't I can't recall any Indian Sikh that I've met that's like not been like welcoming and kind of yeah, like, just has a certain level of tolerance. Like, I even, like, being gay. Yeah. And it was never really, like, an issue. Like, even with my family or even, like, going to seek temples and stuff. I mean, I've always looked somewhat weird. I've always, like, stood out in weird ways. I'm very light-skinned. Like, I don't... Most people don't know I'm Indian. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so that was, that was really like empowering for me in a way because I, I, I do feel very connected to like my Sikh family and um, to like my Indian heritage, but I do also have that like Christian white Canadian (laughs) side as well. So it's like, it kind of almost afforded me this opportunity to like be in this middle area Mm. where like it kind of gave me a way to find my own path because I wasn't really like stuck either way or you know so that was you weren't put into a box by someone else yeah you were allowed your open-mindedness totally and my parents were always both very open as well like I said like my dad and his family like they weren't super strict Christians but they definitely had like certain beliefs and we did go to church and you know I did learn some of that stuff and then on my mom's side as well like no one's like super strict about it but they are very devout Mm -hmm. at the same time so like you know they do all go to temple regularly and they all pray regularly most of them have like prayer rooms in their houses and Sikhism um, just seems so beautiful. It just seems like such a beautiful religion. It is. Yeah. And I've I've really grown to appreciate it as I've gotten older. Because I remember when I was younger, there were times where I was like, oh, like, I kind of wish we were Hindu or something. Like, <laughs> they're so much more, like, colorful. And they have so much, so many more, <laughs> so many like, deities. Goddesses. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. But as I, like, really got older and started to learn more about Sikhism. And to be honest, I still don't know, like, that much about it. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm still trying to learn more all the time. But. You're still young. There's still time. <laughs> I'd like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there are just so many like beautiful principles in it. And like I said, like the the Sikhs that I've met throughout my life have just been really like um really positive influences and really like positive kind of role models in a way. Like they've just always been very tolerant, very welcoming. Like Sikh temples um are very welcoming. Anyone's allowed in them. They they feed people no matter what your religion, color, religion, yeah. anything is, you know, like anyone's welcome to go in there and they're welcomed. Um, so even just like a, a somewhat kind of simple concept like that of just like welcoming people and serving other people and um, yeah, just like being being strong in your own beliefs and your own kind of convictions but like not having to put someone else down for that or not like allowing someone else to be themselves because of that it's like a huge what we need yeah more than anything totally tolerance and just leaving space for people to be who they are without as long as it's you know for people to be who they are and like you know, obviously, if you're someone who's like a serial killer who's murder murder someone, then right. like, you know, maybe like take a step back and try and figure out what's going on here before you do something dangerous. Totally. But like, yeah, like allowing people to just be who they are, like that's there needs to be more. It's weird. We're in such a weird fucking time oh gosh, where yeah. there's a there is more openness and tolerance in some regard. Especially again, we live in this bubble and yeah. like you know we're, we're really lucky to live in that in that bubble um but then of course it's like you look at trump and everything that comes along with it and it's it's the it's the complete opposite and it's in on such an extreme level that it's yeah. like 
just so for anyone anyone like us or it's like what the that's so crazy to even like think that way like how how does your brain even like allow you to go really? that way like how do you fucking sleep at night and like i just i don't know yeah we need we need more we need more of that we need more tolerance we need more open-mindedness and just yeah just space for people to be who they are it's just so bizarre that that's like even a conversation that we have much less the conversation that we have to have over and over and over again and of course i'm saying that as like a white woman <laughs> like obviously i'm have the that privilege to be able to like say that because you know but it's so it's ridiculous it's yeah. so ridiculous it's so ridiculous i just don't understand yeah it really is yeah well it's really cool that that you were able to grow up in that environment totally yeah and have those teachings at such a young age so you went back to india like not a couple of years a, ago I a think year ago you, yeah i was there a like year ago. exactly a year oh, ago wow. Yeah. wow really i was there all of march last year oh that's so funny though. of course there's so much synchronicity always every totally. time i do one of these i'm just like okay uh-huh yep. <laughs> that makes sense that this is happening right now totally what was that like where did you go to the area of india that your family is from or was it um the area that my mom's from mm-hmm. so it's like my grandpa my grandma and grandpa were originally from what is now pakistan oh wow um but then uh, when partition happened, they moved to Delhi. Um, so my mom was born in Delhi, and then that's like where they lived for most of the time when they were there. So I went back to Delhi, and then I actually traveled around more on this trip than I had ever before. So I went to six different cities. Um, and it was actually the first time I was doing yoga in India, wow. which was like really interesting because, you know, it's like I did my teacher training here from a teacher who has studied quite a bit in India mm-hmm. and had, like I mentioned, a more traditional kind of practice and approach to it. Um, and it was just really interesting getting to practice there because it's really, I mean, like, yoga exists on so many levels there, yeah. like more so than here, that like literally just walking out your door, you're like practicing yoga in some way because it's, it's like God is everywhere, first mm-hmm. of all. So it's like you have all these representations of this like divine presence, um, whether it's like a statue on the side of the road or like a painting or just like any number of things. You constantly see like garlands of flowers, like just like all of these like devotional kind of signifiers right. that um you see constantly and then to actually do the physical practice as well was like really really interesting because even um even just like the way they approach it and again I obviously have a a kind of limited view because I only I was only there for five weeks Mm -hmm. and you know I I practiced in a few different places but there's obviously like a lot more out there than what I saw but from from what I did see um they just their approach to the physical practice is a lot more 
it's like even when they're not like speaking about the philosophy it's kind of somehow there in the physical postures in a way that it's not here like here a lot of times the physical postures you know it's like you kind of just feel like you're in like a fitness class or something which I've been thinking about this a lot lately because there's a part of me that's very like against that and I'm like yoga is not a fitness practice you know like it's a spiritual practice that like we obviously do physical practices to like learn about our bodies and learn about our kind of like inner universe Mm -hmm. but just the way it's approached sometimes I'm very turned off by like the the fitnessy aspect of it but I don't know lately there is a part of me that like I understand it in a way because culturally it just doesn't we don't have the same context to put it in in the way that they do in India because like I said it's like you walk out of your house there and you see these deities and you see like like people living their lives out on the streets and not just like like yes there is a lot of poverty so you literally see people living on the streets but also just like like people who are not in poverty um but there's just like this life that happens out on the streets that doesn't happen in the same way here and maybe you get kind of glimpses of that in certain areas like I'm sure in New York you see that in a way that you don't see in LA Mm -hmm. and even in LA I'm sure you see it here in a way that you wouldn't in I don't know Mississippi or something you know whatever but there's just like a context for the practice that I think we kind of lack in a way in the West because we don't, I mean, the general population is not thinking about like divinity and like our inner being Mm -hmm. on like a regular basis, you know? So it's. I, and like, I get it. Like you, you, in the sense of like, you can't, you can't blame them. Like you can't blame it. Totally. But I, you know, and again, like I, I can't practice anymore, so I haven't practiced in a couple of years. But when I when I was, it was I started going to. There's this place in New York. Actually, I think they have it in California too. But it was called Yoga to the People, and it's like a donation based thing. And that was how I started my practice. And then when I started actually going to like a, you know, I when I started really doing yoga, it was I went straight. I just dove into doing the teacher training and that Mm. was like my real my real start like a year-long process um and i was like oh this is yoga (laughs) i was like got it i was doing like an aerobics class before that which again like is free like you can't really um but i think for me like and i totally i what you're saying makes so much like now i kind of have more of an understanding where i was like Mm. oh that makes a lot of sense like yeah you can't you can't really blame that but at the same time like i think because we are a capitalist society and we took yoga and it became you know a money a money thing and, right. and not at first but then once it yeah especially in the last i'd say even just the last five years or so it just kind of has blown up in this different way where I I feel really lucky because of the studio that I really started out in it was like sure when I'm going out into the street I'm not having these representations of of God or the goddess or 
whatever but when I go to my studio I do mm. and so my and my it was I, I don't know for some reason and I may be saying this and I may be totally wrong but I just kind of get the sense that, that you may relate to this but I think because I grew up in a household where both of my parents were very spiritual and, and in their own way and it wasn't confined to a religion it was mm. it was spirituality and they both were you know delving into different types of you know access to god and you know whether from like a feminist standpoint and my mom was very into um native american like which i that's like not the right terminology right now but at that time like you know indigenous like world so her her stuff was very rooted in like the medicine wheel and mm -hmm and all of that um and then my my dad's was just kind of more all over the place just you know more just wanting to have a relationship with god and trying to figure out different ways to do that and so i grew up in in this household where i i wanted that so mm. badly yeah. and i was like i don't i can't find i'm willing to go to church i'm willing to go to these you know, women's groups are these like things that my dad would do or, you know, all these different like workshops and these things because I can't, I haven't found my own sense of spirituality, but I see it so prevalent in my parents that, and I, I'm jealous of it. Like I just, like I want it. And it wasn't until I started, um, my my real yoga practice and really learning about the philosophy um, behind yoga that I was like oh <laughs> these are the words that are matching how I feel mm, and like totally. I under I understood it on the level that I saw my parents understand it and then from there you know that took on its own form where it was like at first it was like when I was doing teacher training and I was really deep into it and I was like this is the way like and I was learning that and then it was like <laughs> Oh wait, let me let go of this thing and this thing and open myself up to all of these different other, you know, concepts and like things that feel right to me and that like bring me closer to God and give me more of a relationship with God and myself and my own divinity. And um but yeah, but it really it was it was the yoga philosophy and and it was my studio and my teacher at the time that like that opened those those doors for me. And so when I started working for yoga companies and like and also even even before that and was kind of seeing it just from the fact that you know yeah I lived in New York and then I lived in LA and these are two places especially in Los Angeles where it's like the yoga wor world is the yoga not the yoga world but the yoga business world is mm. just blown up where it was like you know like you are tainting this sacred thing that that is this was the thing for me this gave me mm. access to have a conversation with god totally. and that's like such a so when you first are able to build that relationship with god it's like that's so fucking powerful and then to watch money get in in the way of that and to remove you know and like I'm sure I could get sued for like talking about yoga works, but like to remove <laughs> deities and to remove mortis right. from the studio, mm -hmm. where for me personally, and I understand it in a sense where it was like, you know, wanting to provide, not wanting to turn people off from it, but I'm like, 
but because it was so sacred to me, it was like blasphemous. I was like, oh, like, no, (laughs) like give them the, confront it, like confront it and, and put it there just because there is a, a mortier or a deity or an altar or whatever in the front of a room or anywhere in there doesn't mean that that person needs to connect with it. Like you can choose just to be in there and just be doing the physical practice and that's it. That's fine. But like allow people to learn Mm -hmm. because had I not gone into my studio and had I not learned these things i wouldn't have had that access like i wouldn't know the words i wouldn't have an understanding i wouldn't you know know which goddesses that i connect with and which pieces that i connect with and whatever because i would where would i have learned that Mm -hmm. so for me it was like like provide that and then you know then I just like was like okay well this clearly is not for me so I'm just gonna find my own you know when I found like the raven and like the other places where that yeah it it, it, I've let it go more now because there's just no point in like being upset about it because it's that's the form that it's taken on and at least I know you know that there are studios that are still you know, like I'm sure Rome and uh, like I'm sure I, I know I mean I don't even have to say I'm sure I know Jen and Chad are like yeah. totally you know sticking to it, um, and providing that service because it is it's, you're providing people an access to God and whether people are aware of it or not, it's like that's really the most powerful thing you can do, especially on a service level. Totally, it's like how you know, especially for because of the fact that at least for me like growing up with grandparents who were very Catholic and very like, and external family members who were very Catholic and very just like the church, the church, the church. And, you know, I have family now who are, who are born again and like have these rules and this, and, but they also have a place to go. Right. It's like, they can go to church and have whatever they, you know, whatever experience they're having, you know, I'm, Unfortunately, there's a lot of other things attached to it, and a lot of hatred and bigotry and like ridiculous shit that some people have been able to find their their way with letting that go and still be involved in the religion. Right. That's great. Um, like I have nothing against Christianity. I think if any, I think any access you can have to having a relationship with God is good. Agreed. And if you yeah. are able, only if you remove the the hate and the judgment because that yeah. doesn't then what that doesn't make sense that's not god yeah exactly like that's exactly. Yeah. that's human like right. that's, yeah and so um but they but i they have a place to go they can go to church and they can have you know community and be in a group of people communing with god having their own experience having their own individual experience and for when you don't have that or, or even, and you know, not just Christianity or like in Judaism, Muslim, I, every religion they have, there's a hub, yeah. there's a place to go and there's a place to go with other people who, you know, have some sense of the same belief and have found the same access to God as you do. Mm-hmm. And for, for me, that was the yoga studio. And for a long time, that was the yoga studio. And then it became something else and it was just you know it got sanitized and turned into a gym Mm -hmm. and it was like for for me I can't I I just I 
have a hard time with that but uh, yeah but again at the same time you, you can't that's just where it went right so yeah <laughs> i mean i just to to touch on some of what you said like especially the idea of like taking the murthys and the statues and everything mm-hmm. out of the studios it's like i'm i can understand that to an extent in totally. certain situations but like for what you mentioned it's like these people are teaching in this lineage that comes directly from Krishnamacharya mm-hmm. which comes directly from his teachers and it's like you can't you can't divorce the two no. like this is i i understand that like culturally it's like again it's a different context so it's like people don't have like like someone walking into a yoga studio for the first time when they're 25 or 30 and has never really seen a Hindu deity before or something like they're not going to understand it in the same way that like an Indian person walking into a studio at 25 or 30 is because they've probably seen Mm -hmm. this deity for the past 25 or 30 years you know what I mean so like I get that in a way that like they're trying to make it kind of more accessible or something or like like you mentioned um people just having kind of any um like doorway pathway to to god Mm -hmm. so it's like I get that to some extent but I think the way that they've gone about it is just really messed up and it's like you're literally like those gods and those deities and those like icons and those ideas and the words and the language it's like it's all a part of the practice you can't you can't just divorce it and act like it doesn't exist I understand if you want to like kind of be like okay well so there's this deity called Shiva who is you know the lord of dance and he's the destroyer and blah 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 and if you want to kind of like maybe put that in a different context or something or like take those ideas and maybe make it more accessible or understandable for someone who doesn't have the knowledge mm-hmm. of that but it's it's just like really well you're removing the question right because exactly as soon as if you don't know what it is and you walk in a room you can choose to be curious about it or not and if someone's curious about it and they ask, then it can open this world to them that could change their lives. Totally. And if you don't even have it there to begin with, then then there's no question to be asked. Totally. Because it's not there. So it's like, for me, it was like, well, well what's the... Then it's just a gym class. Right. It's just... It, it literally is just... Um, which again, like... Getting in your body is super powerful too. Totally. That's another access as well. And like you may, and you know, some, and also there's a lot of teachers even in that, in those worlds that are holding on to it and bringing it into their classes anyway. Totally. And that's yeah. great as well. Um, but yeah, for me, I was just like, well, then you're not even giving, first of all, you're treating people as though <laughs> they're idiots and like right. can't decide for themselves whether they're okay with this or not and then second of all you're not giving other people the opportunity to learn about something that for me changed my life like i you know that doesn't happen for everyone and Mm -hmm. everyone has their own experiences but like being able to ask those questions and being and seeing these things and be confronted with something that i didn't know about and then to learn 
then to ask the questions and learn about it, then I all of a sudden have this whole other perspective and and idea of and relationship with myself and with God and with all these things. And it's like, no, give people that chance. Totally. And again, I guess it's also, you know, in their defense with, you know, they could be like, well, there are other studios and there are other studios that do provide that. And if you want that, then go there. But it's like, but you're, it is, then don't call it yoga. Like call right. it something else. Like I don't, yeah. I and don't it's know. like you mentioned with the money thing too. It's like, I don't have a problem with yoga being a business, mm-hmm. but I have a problem with yoga being a business when it's being so compromised just to make the money. Yeah, totally. That like you said, you're like taking away this opportunity for people to find a connection or to like learn something or because the other thing too is like even in the classes that I've been to where a teacher is like very um, like knowledgeable about like the philosophy and the traditions and like I've never been in a class where they're like you have to be a Hindu yeah. and you like have to like it, believe this. Never. You know, it's yeah. like, they're just like, it's always an offer of like, here exactly. is an idea. Here is a concept. Here is, um, a, I don't know, just a thought even. And it's like, and you kind of take it really? as you will. Yeah. yeah. And like, and like you said, there are other places that you can go if this doesn't vibe with you, but like, it just seems too, um, like, like people just kind of don't have enough conviction in their own beliefs to actually like stand up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it becomes this watered down thing anyways. And then you're again, just not giving people that opportunity to like find something that could literally change their life. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah it's sad. It, like, it was really heartbreaking for me. Totally. Where I was, I was like, oh, God. Like, okay. Like, I, you know, what can I do? This is my job. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, but like, and, and yeah, of course, it's always, you know, at least you're getting them into a room. At least you're doing something. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's, it is, it, when it, I'm sure it's like for someone, I don't know. I don't even, I don't even want to make the comparison, but like. Yeah, it was, it was, wow, this, this means something to me on a really deep level mm-hmm. and a level that I, I can't even really explain. And like, it's hurtful to watch it be turned into something that it's not, or to, okay. especially for me, um, for, for being someone who, you know, dealt with like having an eating disorder, like, mental illness stuff and just like shit body dysmorphia and all of that stuff to then see it tur- be turned into a weight loss technique mm. or like a way to make people feel bad about themselves mm-hmm. when it's supposed to be a sp- like a, a spiritual experience and like it's <laughs> something that is supposed to make connect you to yourself and feel good and empowered and you know find different strengths in different ways and to see it be turned into like a vehicle of shame is like so heartbreaking i mean again like i can't practice because of my my injury 
but I had to remove myself from the practice because of the also I mean it was I would never have stopped doing yoga because I loved it so much had I not been forced to have to stop doing it so I think maybe that's partially why I was forced to stop doing it but I had to remove myself from it because even though I was still so so delved into the philosophy and that that was such a big part of it for for me and that was that was the part of it for me even in teacher training like I I connected as a as a teacher like when I would teach like I taught from an emotional place I would teach from the philosophical philosophy and from the emotion I I didn't really teach from a physical place the physical was secondary because that's how it was for me in my real life and like to I you know once that's taken out even for me who connects so deeply on that level like it was yoga was becoming a problem for mm. for me because I was using it as a vehicle of shame. I was mm. using it as a way to be like, well, you're not good enough. Like you can't do this. You're not strong enough. You're not capable of doing that. And in the long run, the the my issue with my pelvis came because of that, because I hurt myself through doing too much yoga because oh I was already yeah. hypermobile and I relied on my flexibility because I was like, well, I'm you know, ashamed that I can't do a handstand or I'm ashamed mm. that I can't do an arm balance or ashamed that I can't get hold this pose or like whatever. So I'm just going to like really crank into the things that I can do. And then I fucked myself. <laughs> like I hurt myself and, and it, and to be far away from it and then to look at like really what happened and like have more of an understanding of like the whole the whole the whole of it just be like oh that's why like this not you know and i knew like oh doing yoga doing too much yoga is what got me into this place i was aware of that but then to have the time away from it and to be able to see the full picture i was like oh shit like i was using this it got to a place where i was using it to abuse myself Mm -hmm. and that's what fucking happens when you take it you take the other part of it away Mm -hmm. when you turn it into this physical thing not turn it into this physical thing but when you turn it into a solely gym class and like do these poses to get here who's not in their head being like well i can't if i can't do this then i can't do that and then i'm gonna do this and how many people are fucking injured because yoga is if you don't have the right alignment, and you know, like if you're not doing it right, you can really hurt yourself. And you, cause you're putting yourself into these positions that your body is not used to being in. Totally. And if you don't have the right teacher or guidance or like ability to listen to yourself and you're coming into it from a place of, um, for me, like, again, like for, I'm coming into it from a place of having a, a dysfunctional relationship with my body and having like a hatred towards my body. And so I'm already going into it from, from that mindset. And so if you don't add in this, this uh, really powerful emo- emotion, love, you know, God, divine, whatever, love, like if you don't add that in, you're gonna hurt yourself because you're going into it as like a way, as a way in which to repair something instead of a way of which to find who you are and where you're at. Mm-hmm. And I think I didn't understand. I, th- I knew it was, it would make me so angry. I would be so pissed like, and be like, I don't, why are you doing this? Like, why are so many people just, you know, taking this shit away, like out of it? No one really cares. You're just like cranking. T- and this isn't 
just that one company. This is world wide. There's a lot of yoga companies out there. Um, But like cranking teachers out left and right, having people who've only done 200 hours teaching these gigantic classes because you want to pack those classes and like, and not having an understanding, not of their own practice and their own beliefs and their own, like, Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm like that. I don't think that I really understood why I was so angry about it and like why it affected me so, so much that that, that I was watching that happen until I had to like leave Mm. it. And then I was like, Oh, well that's why it was because I hurt, I hurt myself and, and I are, and I was connected to that part of it, but I let the other part of it overwhelm that because there wasn't enough of that. Like I, there were, my favorite teachers and the teachers that I felt the best in was, you know, like I, you went to Hagar, like Hagar was one of my favorite teachers and all of her classes were based in in philosophy and based in emotion. And it was weaved throughout and all of my favorite teachers were that. And when I would leave those classes and I would be in those classes, I would never be in pain. I never felt like I overdid anything. I was always present that those were the times when I felt that I was in my body because those two things coexisted. Mm-hmm. If they don't coexist, then it gets dangerous. Totally. And I don't think that that's a conversation that people have. I think the conversation of the philosophy coming out of, of it is one that a lot of people have and a lot of people are upset with. But you know, maybe it's just my perspective because I am coming from one, a person who's in recovery from an eating disorder, two, a person who works with people who are in recovery with an eating disorder, whose like whole life is in that world that I have an understanding of that mentality that I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, this is how people get hurt. (laughs) Like whether it's damaging your soul or it's damaging your body. Like it is dangerous to take a, a, a spiritual practice and turn it into something else. Totally. And there was a while where I was like, yeah, that's fine. Like if you know, you're using the word weight loss and to get people into the room, at least you're getting them into the room. But now I'm like, no, that's fucked up. That's fucked up. Like we shouldn't be focusing on weight loss in general. And then to to take this thing that's really supposed to connect you to yourself and make you feel good and and make it about changing, you know, fixing something about your body mm-hmm. and transforming it to be something that you think will be better is like that's it's dangerous. Like it it's is. like it's so dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so beyond anything that anybody that that yoga is supposed to be like it's great or and not even just like i mean really any physical practice but like you know yoga specifically because it's rooted in it is rooted in philosophy it's rooted in spirituality whereas you know pilates is rooted in physicality but even that like you go into anything with the like i'm i'm doing this to fix myself mentality there's more of a chance you're gonna get hurt right but with that, it's just so much more because it's like you're selling it as something that it's not. And then the worst is when you're selling it as it still is a spiritual practice, mm. but you've removed the part of it that's you've removed the philosophy, you've removed the spirituality, you've removed, you've removed God, you've removed all of it. And yet you're still selling it as though it's there. Yeah. And it's <laughs> it's like for people who don't 
like for a new practitioner who mm-hmm. has no again like no context or no kind of like background knowledge on what yoga is you go into a class that's like a super physical class and then you get this whole idea of like okay cool I'm like gonna like do this new workout this new yoga work mm-hmm. and it's like you're literally robbing them of the whole other side of yoga that's like the bigger side, mm-hmm. you know, it's like when you don't have any of that philosophical knowledge or even just like, because the thing too is it's like, even in a class that is kind of based in philosophy, like it is still a physical practice, Absolutely. you know? And so Absolutely. like, that's, that's fine in the class, but then what about out of the class like after the fact it's like the reason we teach philosophy in these classes is because the practice on the mat is a microcosm of the practice off the mat you know so it's like yes you're literally taking away that whole like practice of learning how to take these concepts from the mat off the mat and out into the world Mm -hmm. and it's like that's the part I don't I ju- it's just very hard for me to grasp like why why or how anyone could like still try and pass this off then as like a yoga class like yeah. it's just a fitness class yeah. then yes. and then like go teach Pilates or go teach a fitness yeah. class then or even like just call do, it a fitness yeah class. <laughs> like do the same like quote unquote like yoga poses or yeah. whatever but just call it a fitness class and yeah. don't call it a yoga class because now most of the Western world thinks yoga is asana. Oh. You know? Yeah. Like they don't even realize yeah. that it is this whole other thing and it is like way more than than most teachers talk about or it's way more than like, especially with Instagram and stuff now, oh. it's like even more so yeah. like, okay, now, now not only do you go to class and like you're expected to like get into all these crazy poses, but then you have to look as good doing them as all these like Instagram models. And mm-hmm. it's like, um, you're now entirely missing the point mm-hmm. because even the poses are like, you're making them into like, like I yeah like I mentioned how dance used to be for me like I danced and I would try and achieve these poses to look a certain way or these movements to look a certain way and then you come to yoga and people are doing the same thing and it's like no you're missing the whole like inner aspect Mm -hmm. of this physical work like Mm -hmm. we move through the gross body to examine and explore the subtle body Mm -hmm. you know it's like there's just you've taken it away you've like removed all of the like most important parts completely and i had um actually another person who i had on this podcast is a yoga teacher and she's another person who um is also in recovery from an eating disorder and all of her yoga classes are based on like acceptance and compassion with Mm. the body and we had a whole conversation about you know not even just Instagram, but yoga studios Mm. where it's like, maybe don't use an advanced pose to try and sell your classes because that's also, um, um, you know, false advertising because not everyone's going to be able to ever get in that pose and that's okay. (laughs) Right. Like, and 
I think about it because even with like starting my practice, like I felt such a feeling when it came to the the philosophical part of it. I was like, I am all in, and that's what kept me there. Right. When it came to the physical practice, I was like, I'm not good enough. I don't feel good enough mm-hmm. because I, you know, I don't have the strength to be able to do these certain things. Or my, or it's not even I don't have the strength. It's my body is my body, totally. and like, you know, my body was meant to do certain things, and your body's meant to do certain things, and everyone's, everyone is living in a different body. You can't expect everyone to be able to do the same thing all the time. And to, you know, when teachers place that on students. Even if it, even if they don't realize it, even mm-hmm. when it is just from doing an advertisement of, you know, someone like even something as simple as like doing crow on a fucking bridge, like or a mountaintop totally. or whatever, it's like not everyone's gonna be able to get there. And Effort. sure, listen, if it's empowering for you to do a pose and take a photo of yourself and it makes you feel good all for it but if you're using it as an advertising tactic to get someone into your class you have already set that standard of like well this is where this is where you're going this is where you're gonna get it is the same as a fucking before and after photo where it's like no that's not you can't and i and i'm sure that's like an unpopular opinion with people who are in the yoga world but it's the fucking truth and i'm saying it from a place of being a person who who had a dis, who has a dysfunctional relationship with their body and who got hurt because I was looking at these things and thinking well everyone else is able to do it even though that wasn't true and it was like oh the other people who can't do it they're not good enough also and so then then I'm shaming everyone else who can't do the same thing that I can't do and then it's it's like that's insane because that it it's the complete opposite of what it is meant for totally I th- and I mean, maybe because I kind of cleared my Instagram feed of most like yoga stuff, I feel like maybe it's a little bit less that people are posting these poses, but I think maybe not. I think it's just because I cleared my feed and I don't yeah. have to see it all the time. But I think it is dangerous. Like, don't show these crazy ass poses unless it's for you. Right. Don't show it. If you're doing it to get people to come to your class. The fact that you can do an advanced pose means nothing to me as who you are as a teacher. Right. Totally. And what you can provide. Completely. Yeah. And I'll admit, like, I've definitely posted some photos on Instagram of me in, like, more advanced poses. But are you doing it for yourself or are you doing it to get people to, like, go to your classes? I mean, maybe both. Okay. But then that's fine. But... The thing is, is that when you come to my classes, yeah, like I make it very clear mm-hmm. that like this is not about getting into some specific pose. This is not about looking a certain way. Right. I would never like push someone beyond their limits in a way. Like obviously, I want to help people push oh, their own course. limits in a healthy of way. Course. But I, I'm not gonna be like, oh my god, how come you're not able to get into this pose? Or yeah. how you know, it's like. I'm very, or just very. Like, there are teachers who will give up on on students as like, oh my gosh. as humans, totally, and be like, well, you you're never gonna be able to get to that place, or you're never gonna be able to keep up with this. So I'm, you're done. Like oh, you're gosh. you're dead to me. Totally, <laughs> and that's. I mean, yeah, that's just like that. That's where like it changes for me. Like I I will admittedly post an Instagram photo of an asana every once in a while, mm-hmm. but. I would never, like, expect anyone in my class. Because, I mean, it's very, as a teacher, it's very obvious when you can see, like, if someone's going to be able to get into a pose or not. For sure. And if they're not, like, 
yeah, I would just never, like, I couldn't even bring myself to, like, try and force someone to get into a pose or make them feel like they were any less for not being able to do that. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's very, because even, even for me, like, yes, I can do some advanced postures, but there are times where, like, I don't want to, or I don't, like, my body doesn't feel ready to go there, mm-hmm. or I just, like... I'm dealing with like maybe not even a serious injury but maybe just like my shoulders hurting today so I'm not gonna do like crow or something you know and it's like I'm not I don't want to be made to feel bad for that you know because it's like it's not it's irrelevant it's if especially as a teacher if that's what you think that the practice is about you should not be teaching yoga yeah like completely just straight up like again call yourself a fitness teacher Mm -hmm. fine teach your fitness classes great but that's not yoga like you're not a yoga teacher and like a crazy thing and and you know this is not at every studio that i worked at and but a lot of times um not really even most of these i worked at but it's just something that i've noticed kind of there's just a lot of negative motivation, mm-hmm. which in the, um, to get people into class. So in the sales tactics of it, there's a lot of negative motivation or like, let's help you fix what you don't like about yourself. Right. Um, and when you are starting from that place, there's no way that that's not going to infiltrate into your class. Long term. Long term. Like, and if you are teaching a any fitness class, but especially a yoga class, from a place of negative motivation, you are hurting people. And I don't think that people have an understanding for that of that. And I don't even know that that's really taught. Like, you know... There is still a lack of empathy when it comes, you know, and I think part of it is that I don't really, I don't agree with the, even though I did it, I don't agree with the model of 200 hours. I don't think 200 hours is enough for someone to be teaching yoga. And I think there's, you know, there's a lot more sensitivity that could be brought to it. A lot more, you know, trauma training, you know, training of people who are in recovery from eating disorders, addiction, any of those things, because you, no matter what, if you're teaching a yoga class, you have to understand the fact that the world is selling your class as a self-improvement technique. Right. So if you, so people are going to be drawn to your classes, whether you promoted it or not, who are in pain whether physically or emotionally, and are looking for a way to feel better. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have any training in that or have just started teaching these classes or don't have the empathy or don't have an understanding of like, whether, oh my God, Tagore is like under the covers. <laughs> so cute. I'm like so serious and then I'm watching him like, that's so funny. Um, but yeah, if you don't have that understanding, then it's like by no fault of your own, right. you, can't, you can't provide that that service right and there needs to be more training on i mean in my opinion and again like i've removed myself from that world which is really weird because it was my whole life it was how i made money it was how i survived it was where i went every day i mean when i was working at yoga works 
I was also, and you know, I was working at the Raven too. I was working, I was in a yoga studio six days a week, seven really, because yeah. I was also going to classes okay. if I when I wasn't when I had my time off. So it was like I lived and breathed yoga for eight years, seven, eight years. And then like to have that be completely removed from your life. It's, it's so bizarre, but it really did provide me with like this ability to look at it and be like, Oh, well that's, you know, there's something missing and it's not, and it's part of it is the philosophy. And that's not always the case if you find the right teachers but you have to be willing to to either get really lucky and accidentally end up in the right class or seek them out and i was willing to seek them out just because like i was looking i was searching for it not everyone's willing to do that and then there's a miss there's this other piece of it that's missing where it's like if you're going to be working with the body and you're going to be working in a like yeah a self help world which whether you want to or not whether people right. agree with me or not that is what it is being promoted as yes for sure hundred percent million percent that is what it is being promoted as people who have anxiety disorders people who have depression people who have gone through trauma people i guarantee you they're in therapy the therapist is like have you tried yoga have you tried doing this because it is a prescription mm-hmm. but the but it doesn't match it if the person who is teaching it doesn't have doesn't have that training doesn't have the ability to be able to provide what they're actually looking for which is probably the majority of teachers at this point absolutely Uh, absolutely for me it was like because my my current therapist she was even talking and and for me it's a little more of an extreme thing because it was such a heartbreak it was really i it was a loss and I didn't even realize that my therapist, like, I think a couple of sessions ago, she was like, did you ever mourn this? Like, oh. do you ever grieve the fact that you had to let this go? And I was like, oh, right. Like, that's true. Like, oh, this was such a huge part of my life. And it got taken away, like, by, you know, just, ha- it just, ha- I, by no choice of mine. Like, I didn't choose to, to stop it. It just yeah. happened. And. I was like, oh yeah, I, I, I should probably, I should probably like look into that. <laughs> Maybe that's a good idea. Um, oh, fuck, I forgot what I was saying. Oh no, it was gonna be so profound. <laughs> <laughs> I was in such a role. Yeah, I don't know. Basically, things people need more training. Totally. People need more training, and there needs to be more empathy, and there needs to be more knowledge. It just needs to be more knowledge. It just needs to be more knowledge because, again, like. Regardless if you want to or not, yeah. the word has power yeah. and it has a meaning. And so people are looking to it to get something. Mm-hmm. And if you can't provide that and what you're providing is more harmful than, than not, if you're making people feel like they're not good enough, if they can't, you know, do something, totally. get into a handstand or get into whatever, oh God, then yeah. it's like it is actually dangerous like actually dangerous totally physically and emotionally it is spiritual abuse it is totally and again by no fault of their i don't think that right. people are doing it on purpose no. i don't think i even realized how much of it it was until i left i don't think the teacher trainees are doing it yes. on purpose the teacher trainers 
depending on who yeah depending, depending on, on who it is, who it is like yeah. obviously there are a lot of amazing teachers and teacher mm-hmm. trainers out there there are also a lot of people just trying to make a quick buck absolutely and i think that's the other thing is that i think it starts with um um like teachers being trained better and more um more comprehensively more like fully mm-hmm. um and then after that i think it's like the other thing going back to the whole like yoga just being like a corporate money-making thing now it's like really interesting to me that people continually go after this same market of like skinny white wealthy women oh, yeah you know what i mean Absolutely. i'm like yes like in my opinion literally everyone on this earth if you're breathing, you could be doing some form of yoga, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, obviously, someone who is in a wheelchair and, like, you know, doesn't have mobility in their body in whatever way, like, isn't going to be going to, like, an Ashtanga class. Right. You know what I mean? For sure. But they could be breathing and they could be, you know, like, just doing some other kind of meditation mm-hmm. or something, some other kind of yoga practice which again, whoever's teaching that person then has to be extremely qualified mm-hmm. to deal with all of the components involved there. But then also it's like, yeah, just there there are just so many like untapped markets. And I hate to talk about it that way because it sounds like just like commodifying well, it, people, but it's true. Yeah, it's, it's like, true. And it's, it's basically, pe- there are, there, it's ableist. I mean, there's, there are people who are being completely. left out. Yes. It's, are not even being considered. And those are the people that really probably need more yoga yeah. more than anyone else, you know, which is so mind boggling to me mm-hmm. because it's like, and again, I don't, I don't want to talk about it like just from like a money making perspective, mm-hmm. but from a money making perspective, yeah, like you guys are just dumb. Yeah. Like you're literally going after this same People. market that has been tapped over and over and over and is so saturated. And yet there are all these other people that like need the help and the service and the teachings and the compassion that like... It's just really, like, it doesn't make sense to me because I feel like both sides are losing out. Like, like people who could be benefiting from the practice, but then also the people that could be benefiting, benefiting from it as a business. Mm-hmm. And, like, obviously, like, if you're going to um, turn it into a business in that way, there needs to be compassion and there needs to be, like, knowledge and actual training and stuff there. So, like, that's something that is just more, like, on a moral standard. It's, like, something that people just have to kind of, like, own up to themselves. Mm -hmm. But... And it's not to say that, I mean, they do exist. Right. Totally. Like, the Lineage Project and the Cool Project. Like, there are, you know, who go into prisons and, like, put in these classes. Or go into, you know, underprivileged schools and teach these kids. And, And my friend who I was saying... I was talking to, um, I don't know if she goes, teaches at an underprivileged school, but she teaches at a middle school, like, in middle their school. classes. Like, there are places that are doing it. Totally. It's just that 
so I mean they're specialties. Yeah. They're it's not mainstream. It's right. a complete specialty and like and thank God those people are getting those trainings. They yeah. are getting the trauma training. Those totally. are the people who are getting the trauma training. Yeah. And it's insane because we live in 2018. Everyone has trauma. Yes. Not a single. I mean, not a. There is not a single no. human on this no. planet that has you know in in i say 2018 it doesn't matter what year it was right. everyone has always had trauma yeah. <laughs> like it just exists and that's yeah. you know part of being alive so any people need like those trainings should be built in like that should right. be part of it and it's you know yeah the fact that a two like most 200 hour trainings don't even touch don't even on talk trauma about like yeah like, don't even mention Which it, is let insane alone. because they're teaching adjustments. Right. And God right. forbid you went and tried to do an adjustment on someone who has, has major PTSD or has just been oh raped or, like, yes. has just been dealing with, you know, all the... Like, <sighs> you... That shit is... That should be mandatory. Yes. Absolutely. Like, that should be, like, a serious part of the yeah. training. Not even just, like, something that's, like, mentioned. But, Mm-mm. like... Yeah, so, and again, in a 200-hour, because, right. and, and actually even going to a 300-hour, even a lot of 300-hours probably don't even mention it, oh, yeah. let alone go into it, you yeah. know, so it's like... A lot of times it's not in any of it. A lot of times you have to seek it out right. and do an actual separate training to do the trauma training. Totally. I'm sure there's some schools that really provide it, and that's great, and, but I know for, I mean, we've both yeah. gone through these trainings, like, totally. I know for a fact that, like... Most of the time, it really is something you have to seek out. And a lot of times, people won't seek it out unless they are actually going to teach in these communities right. and provide actual service, which is really what being a yoga teacher is supposed to be anyway. Is, you know, save, is doing seva. And, like, it, it doesn't ex- It's just not there. It's yeah. just not there. And it's funny because, again, like, just going back to that, the woman who I interviewed, she is a trauma-informed teacher. And you know part of like that's part of what she does and for me and like i when you know when i did the intro to her show it's like you know she is a trauma-informed teacher i shouldn't have to say that like i shouldn't have to be like this is a trauma-informed person so definitely seek her out if you need that because it should be across the board everyone's trauma-informed it doesn't make any sense and then i mean part of it is like it's become such like a, a rat race to, to just get people certified right. that it's like there's no time. There's no time. You know, we have to fit so, <laughs> thousands of years of philosophy into 200 <laughs> hours. How can we include this, like, this training of making sure people are safe? <laughs> like, it doesn't, you know, like, it's crazy. Oh, it's, God. yeah. And it's, yeah, I feel like I really do. There's part of me that is grateful that it got that I had to remove myself from it because it gave me a different perspective and right. an understanding of why I was feeling so off. And I was like, ah, oh, like it just, I fell out, I, I fell out of love with it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this was so important to me yeah. and it's not anymore. And why? And then it was like, Oh, right. Okay. I get it. Like there's something missing. And I think that's like, like I also have a hard time with, you know, yeah, I don't just, even for myself as a health coach, like I was getting a lot of people who had a lot of trauma and I would try my best and I had to really be honest with myself and be like, I'm not qualified to 
be handling this. Just because I'm a person who has gone through trauma doesn't mean that I'm qualified to handle someone else's trauma. And, you know, just because, I don't know, God loves me or whatever, they, like, happened, it filtered itself out. Like, I didn't have to say, I can't work with you anymore. Mm -hmm. Those people just stopped working with me because it was very, like... I don't know when I, like, I didn't really, I'm empathetic, I'm intuitive, I can listen, I can be there, I can hold the space, I can, you know, whatever, but, like, I I don't know how to remove my emotion from that, like, you know, and and so before any damage was done, like, people were removed, and then it allowed me to look at it and be like, okay, like, I, I have to learn to say I'm not qualified and refer them to someone else, and, like, I need to, to face my own facts that I am not qualified to handle this and also I don't want to like I've had enough I don't need to take on other people's traumas like I've done that my whole life I don't I you know then you're just filled you're you're filled with other people's traumas and like you know I think we all just as I have a hard time with like healers and and health coaches and yoga teachers and people in this world that like promote themselves as being able to fix things and being able to like mm-hmm. where it's like no no one has the answers right. you can provide tools and those tools might work for them and they might not work yeah. but you can only provide really the things that work for you because that's the only way that you know that they work totally. and to just blanket statements say if you come to this yoga class, like you're, you're gonna find stress relief, and your depression's gonna get better, and your anxiety's gonna get better, and your PTSD's gonna get better, and all these, you'll sleep better, and you'll have all of this stuff, and like say just blanket, this is what's gonna, the, all these amazing things are gonna happen, and then or as a healer or as a teacher, be like, I have the answer, and if you do this meditation and you do this thing, and this is gonna get fixed, it's like, you're just fucking lying but you're not just lying to them like you're lying to yourself because there's part of you that is believing that you have the capability of doing this and i think just in general with in in the wellness world and just in the world in general that we really just need to face our own facts more and we need to be more honest about like what our capabilities are and like what we can provide and like just be a fucking real person like just be a real person you have your everyone has their strengths you provide that strength and like some people are going to vibe with it. Some people are not going to vibe with it. And you know, that's just how it, that's just how it is. Totally. But to like, you know, I, that's part of why I had to stop coaching was because one, I, which I was not in a good place and I needed to take care of myself. And because I'm like, how am I helping this person when it's like, I can't help myself right now. So it's like, I knew enough to have to stop and like take, take time off and just deal with me but then also because I was like well I really need to figure out what it is I want what it is that I not only just want to provide but like what can I provide like what what is it that I'm capable of providing because it's not you know I I'm not going to be able to help you through your rape or through your childhood sexual abuse flashbacks that are coming up like you know that's not what i i'm i empathize i tell go ahead like i'll talk to you hold the space do what i can but like i can't i can't take that on and i can't help that (laughs) you know like 
and I think that that's like that's the main issue is that when you are promoting and it's hard it's really hard to know where the line is because you have to promote yourself in order to get clients so like to when promoting yourself to like really know like what am I saying like what am I putting out there and telling people that I can offer because that's what they're going to believe that I can offer right and that's like they're going to be shocked when they come to me and realize, <laughs> oh, fuck, she's, she can't help me. <laughs> like, And then yoga's not cheap. No. And health coaches are not cheap. No. And wellness professionals are not cheap. So you're paying a lot of money to think, to get something that that person may not really, like, know what someone's training is. Totally. I think it's... Um, just to touch on a couple points that you mentioned, like, I think one thing is talking about the whole idea of yoga is like stress relief and Mm -hmm. depression management and all those things. It's like those things, like, yes, yoga can help those things. But Uh I think one thing that is such a big misconception is it's just like people go to yoga class and they're like, oh, I just want to be really chill. And I'm like, um Good that's luck. cool and all but that's gonna take some work like it's not just you go from like anxious depression ridden like traumatic like person to chill yeah like there's a lot of steps in between where it's like like even for example something like pranayam like pranayam most of the time is not gonna just chill most people mm. out that's going to bring up a lot of a shit. A lot of shit. It's going to like move a lot of oh. energy that you didn't even realize you had stuck within mm-hmm. you. It's going to bring up all that trauma that you're trying to deal mm-hmm. with because what you want to do is avoid it, not deal with it. Mm-hmm. And like on and on and on and on. You know what I mean? And it's like, I think like, again, sometimes to no fault of the teachers because it's just what they've been taught but sometimes to the fault of the teachers because I think a lot of them know better for sure they just want to like preach this like chill vibes kind of thing when like mm, you know that's not what it is or again some of them know some of them don't know but like there's way more to the practice than that and again that's why it's not just a physical practice Mm -hmm. it is using the body as a tool Mm -hmm. to get to these more subtle aspects that were like that you have to work through Mm -hmm. to get to a point of like dealing with your depression and or stress or whatever it is and then again it's like a daily moment-to-moment thing where you're like, okay, I've learned this tool that I can now use when I feel like it's necessary. It's it's not just like, okay, you did a yoga class and now you're chill and your work is done and you can just be chill and not have stress and not have depression and not have like all these fucked up things about you that are just like gone now it's like these are things that you work through on a day-to-day basis and it's like a continual process of work and change and empowerment Mm -hmm. and like learning and just like self-inquiry and exploring and you know and it's like 
I think to me, that's one of the biggest kind of misconceptions about yoga. Oh, for sure. And like, again, going back to like, like, like advanced poses and that kind of stuff too. It's like, again, with, with the advertising of the way that those things are presented, it's that itself is creating more trauma in most people because most people are not going to look like that. Mm -hmm. Their pose is not going to look like that. They're probably not going to feel good doing that pose anyways. Like, you know, really hurt themselves. Totally. And then you have to deal with that injury. And again, not just the physical part of the injury, but the psychological effects of the injury. And that, you know what I mean? So it's just like this endless kind of, like, like if you want to be real about it, yoga is not like a chill. No, like, it's not pretty. No, it's not pretty. No, it's like really deep and yeah. can be it's, super fucking dark and, and like messy. Really, yeah, and like, like it takes work. You know, it's like on and off the mat. Mm-hmm. Like just because you go to a yoga class like a few times a week. And practice for a few hours on your mat. Like, what about the rest of the time? Mm-hmm. Like, what about when you're at work and having to deal with people that you, like, hate or just, like, that make you feel like shit or that, you know, just, like, bring up all this old trauma or, like, whatever it is, you know? It's just, like, there's just, like, so much work to yoga that I think people try and, like, bypass a lot. Yeah, my... I- uh, old meditation teacher he I know we gotta what time is it shit it's 526 oh my god I oh okay? my god I really hate to cut this short oh yes but I literally have to teach at six. Oh no okay <laughs> fuck I'm so sorry no you, no you'll no. teach your yoga class now with all of this information <laughs> oh my god thank you so much for talking <laughs> oh my god I love you so I much I love you so much thank too you. Yes, and this was so good. I'm so glad we, like, turned this on and started recording. This could literally... I would literally love to chat with you for, like, five, four hours. Forever.